You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. And today we have the blessing of hearing from some of our students and grads from Holy Fire Ministry Training School, holyfireschool.com. You can go there and check out what's happening. Um, And we've been doing the Father's Heart Unit, which ends tomorrow night, Uh, though I hope it keeps, I hope you guys keep going into the break, maybe some times of worship and and uh, whatever God puts on your heart. And th- uh, really today, what's, what's on my heart for today is the different students and grads sharing the gold nuggets they've received. So they're not sharing long, they're sharing sh- uh, you know, short messages, highlights from the past, uh, well, from the past, basically it's the whole, whole year that this semester has been going, the Father's Heart Unit. And our next semester is... This is for our podcast. Our next semester is the outpouring unit. And we're going to, that's going to start the 7th of August and go to the 4th of December, 2023. And you can register at holyfireschool.com and you can study online through Zoom, live streaming or video on demand. And we're concentrating on the apostolic letters and heart, which is the book of Romans all the way to Jude. So I said that already, but this is for those who are listening uh, listening uh, on the podcast. So, yeah, God bless you. Welcome if you're on the podcast. Thank you for being with us today. Hallelujah. So first, speaking is Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa, do you mind coming here? That way they can... I was going to pass around the mic, but this is so everybody can see, see you. We're proud of Vanessa. Vanessa's original home, still her home, PNG, PNG. But she is adopted by us in Australia. <laughs> Vanessa, you just have a little thing there. Oh, that's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's coming from if there's a little mark. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, but it wasn't that. <laughs> it's just a little breadcrumb. <laughs> it was just a little breadcrumb, that's all. <laughs> a good friend tells you if you have a little breadcrumb on your face. <laughs> so let me, just, let me just pray. Let me pray. If you put your hands on your hearts first, And pray this nice and loud with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. And I'll pray for, we'll pray for Vanessa. Father, speak through Vanessa. Let your words of life come through her. Give her the boldness and the confidence and the peace to share what you have put on her heart. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I'll just pray again real quick and then we can start. So, Father, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I just pray that um, you help me speak your word, and I pray that um, there's understanding as well. Um, Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so um, first I'd like to point out John 14, 1 to 6, because um, that was what I shared on um, on Monday last week. So John 14, 6, basically Jesus is saying that um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the context of John 1 to 14, 1 to 6 is basically, because he initially says that um, in my Father's house are many mansions, and like he goes to prepare a place for you. So we know that as, you know, God, Jesus going back to heaven and preparing like rooms for us. But it's also in the context of like when we're still on earth, we have access to the rooms and those rooms are God's like heart. Inside God's heart, there's different rooms and different like mansions. And so that also reflects God's nature, like his characteristics, like compassion, his love, his you know, goodness. So the more you get into um, the Father's heart, the more you see what he sees. So it starts off with, you know, seeing his love towards you and then his love towards others. So, but you can't, you can't act literally in John 14, um, 6, he says that you can't go to God. Oh, well, in that chapter, it says you can't go to the Father except through Jesus. So Jesus is the way, he's the access point to the, sorry. He's the access point to the Father. So he's literally the door. He actually also says in John 14 that I'm the door. So he's the door that you walk in to go into the Father's heart. And he's the, so he's the way. He's the truth, which is the truth of his nature. So you can't have confusion or misunderstand his nature and think he's a bad God that would you know, destroy everything. Um, so that's his nature. So the truth of his nature, going through Jesus, the truth. Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, also our helper. So basically the truth about God's nature and then the life. I love that because life and life more abundantly. So Jesus gives you that um, Yahweh, like, I, okay, yeah. We learned in Bible school also about Yahweh's name, like how he causes you to do things, like he enables you to do things. So that relates to that life where he breathes life into you so that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through union with him. And cool like you walk into his heart um in ezekiel we learn also in bible school about how he was told to he's a prophet in the old testament and he was told to eat the scrolls the scrolls have god's word on it and god's instructions on to you know the israelites and stuff like that so basically god tells ezekiel to eat the scroll that means that he's eating the word and initially it tastes like honey and then it eventually becomes bitter so I point that out because Jesus is in like in our day and age. He, well, Jesus is the word, irrespective of time. So Jesus is um, the word that we eat, which if you look at John 1, it says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and basically referring to Jesus as the word. So and then he also called like he also says that he's the bread of life. So we eat that bread. We eat his flesh and drink his blood. So eat the scroll like Ezekiel us. We eat the word. So we eat the bread of life. And um, 
there's an importance of like digesting the word as well because sometimes you can hear the word like you come to church you go to you hear the word and it just flies over your head and you're like okay well I tasted it but it actually really has to like it really has to digest so then it starts with tasting the honey like how Ezekiel in the story of Ezekiel he tastes the he eats the scroll initially it's sweet and then it becomes bitter so there's that that process and I don't know if you guys have like chewed like pills that like when you're sick and there's some pills that are supposed to taste sweet sweet and then eventually there's that aftertaste of like bitterness so it's also like that where you know sometimes you know you taste you taste the word and you think it's all sweet well it is sweet obviously but like there's also that bitterness to it and in relation to what we learned it was basically that you know initially you taste God's love towards you and then you taste God's love towards others but today I wanted to point out the word basically that he's um the word is quick and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword so it cuts through the dividing of like your spirit your soul and your body so sometimes even as a Christian you start to think wait did I actually hear from God or like is that my thoughts my you know will my emotions and that's your soul part where you know you have your will your mind your mind will and emotions so if you can't discern or if you can't you're not sure you just take the word and start digesting it because he renews your mind like in Romans 12 where he renews your mind so he that there's that alignment between your spirit and your soul once you read the mind because that, that there's that connection so if you want to know if God's talking to you read the word because then you can start to discern and basically eat like I want to say eat Jesus but it literally means eat you know the word eat the word eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood <laughs> smiley face <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it is yeah so that's eating the scroll and so he's worried he's like sword right or he's worried is literally the sword and also um uh in revelation it describes jesus as um like you know the son of like god jesus is literally like his eyes are like fire and the sword comes out of the, his mouth i love that because one of my most favorite verses ever is um in Song of Songs, which we learned last semester, was um, that he says, kiss me with the kisses of your um, mouth, your love is better than wine. I love that because if you think of Jesus as the bridegroom, you're the bride, and he kisses you with his mouth, it's like, what comes out of his mouth is the sword. So that process of like, you know, being intimate with the Lord in the spirit, and then he as he comes towards you, you go towards him, there's that sword that cuts through you, and it's just so beautiful because He's also the bread of life, so he gives you nutrients. So, yeah, I love that. And also, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Your love is better than wine. Wine kind of, like, represents, like, joy or excitement. And, like, you know, some people use wine as, I, I, I don't know, everyone has a different thing. I don't usually drink wine. But basically, um, sometimes people use it as a filter to see, you know, like, just make everything easier and stuff. So when you have Holy Spirit to give you that, that, that the wine, um, you kind of can't go through life because sometimes life is so hard. You're like, oh, I can't, I can't cope. So you just have the Holy Spirit and you have Jesus as your, like, you know, your love is better than wine. So you get drunk on his love and you're all good. So, <laughs> yeah, so his love is better than wine. And then he literally, it's like the sword that pierces you and he's the bread of life. So we have, we really should eat the scroll, which is eat the word. And then he doesn't just leave you like that. He, like he says in John, um, he leaves the Holy Spirit with us. So Holy Spirit is literally with us right now. He's with you wherever you are. And Jesus is seated on the throne and God the Father in heaven. But um, 
I wanted to like end it with basically saying, like relating back to Yahweh's name, because I love that so much. Because um, I don't know how many times I talk about it, I just love it. That he's, his name is really like, was it Aye Asher Aye? <laughs> yeah, so that I am who I say I am kind of thing. And he causes you to do things. So not in a manipulative way. Like when you know his nature, you know that he's a good God. So his name, Yahweh, comes from the verb haya, which causes you to do things. So I just wanted to connect that back to like eating the scroll. You eat the scroll and then you need, you're nourished and you have all these things, but also you're it, like, he causes you to do things. So he gives you that life. So he enables you. And I think, I don't know if it's Christian lingo or something, but basically you have the grace to do something. That's because of Yahweh's nature into you, infused into you. So if you connect it, there's a verse about um, in the New Testament that I have given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. So he's already given it to us, that, that, that himself. He gave himself, period. So basically um, connect it with eating the word. It's like the like God the Father, he infuses himself to you to enable you to do things. So that is so cool because he gives us the instructions. He even enables us, gives us that ability to do it. And we're his friends. So it's like, you're not, you know, just, you're, we're his friends. Yeah, because of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So that's it. Thank you. I'm going to pray and we can end. <laughs> All right, God, I just thank you so much for you. I thank you that you, um, you made everything, you know, accessible and easy for us, even though we're living in this world. So I thank you for your Holy Spirit. You're our friend and your advocate. You fight for us and you're, you know, our helper. And I just, I thank you that you're a good teacher. I thank you, Jesus, that you're love and you're also just very strong and you're a warrior. I thank you, Father, that you have such a good heart for us. And I, I thank you for your love towards us and just who you are, that your word never changes, that you're the standard. And I just, I love that. I love that. And I thank you for everyone here. I just, I pray for your goodness to just overtake them, run after them and just drag them down and just, you know, thank you for your goodness, Lord. I praise you and I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. Great job, Vanessa, and thanks for stirring all of our hearts. Amen. And praise God for Yahweh, the one who causes us to be and to do. Hallelujah. Now, <laughs> I don't have it all figured out. Who wants to go next? Fran, Lena, Barbara, Fran? Fran, you're good. <laughs> Dear Fran, Fran graduated from Bible school a number of years ago, and she's been helping and serving, and she's very much like a mother to many of us and to the Bible school. We have many mothers, thank God. Thank you that we're all here today as brothers and sisters in Christ, and that your word is alive and true in us, mighty God. I just ask that you... Bless the words I'm going to speak, Lord, to help me because I can do nothing without you. Thank you, Father. Yeah, it's great to be here and see the faces that I love. Um, as we go on in Christ, it's very 
uh, beneficial to us sometimes to um, leave behind other so-called friends and to take the friends of God into our heart. The ones who see as we see, who have the same spirit that we have and that's what I've found here very much is the same spirit among us and it's worth its weight in gold to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, the Father's heart is to first of all have a bride for his son as he said in the beginning of creation I would not have my man to be alone and he created Eve and now we have seen that Sorry, Frank. Can I just pop it out closer? Yes. Right? I'll hold it if I have to. No, it's all right, Faith. Let's stick it to two things. It might stand. Oh, so sorry. It we'll might get bumped the... by my Adam's I apple. Think, I think that's better now. Right? Okay. Is that better? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we see that uh, the father wants a bride for his son. And this was always since before time. His his heart and through the grace of God the, the power for us who can do nothing he is forming a bride for his son and I want to go just to, to first of all to John 15 because to be part of the bride for his son we must be spotless and pure as Christ is. And this is a high calling. This is impossible in the flesh. There is no way in the world we can be pure or spotless or in any way good. But through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we become, if we yield, <laughs> the bride of Christ. And we must stay in Christ. We must stay in the Father, in Christ. Christ is in the Father. We are in him. We must stay connected at all times. And as we journey on in Christ, we become more and more in him and he in us as we are changed from glory to glory from our born-again first experience through all the trials of life, the demands on us through Christ to actually grow in love and the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 15, I am the real vine and my father is the gardener. He says, stay united with me as I will with you. For just as the branch can't bring forth fruit by itself apart from the vine, so you can't bear fruit apart from me. If we are apart from Christ in any areas of our life, that area won't have his fruit. It'll have ours. And ours could be fruit from all sorts of motives and plans in our own lives. But to have his fruit, we must stay getting our sustenance from him, our, our sap. His sap has to flow for us. We, we have to 
think the way he thinks and love the way he loves, that's his plan for us as part of the bride. And as part of Christ's body on the earth, he is the head, we are the body. There's so many analogies in scripture about who we are in Christ. He says, those who stay united with me, thinking how he thinks, loving the way he loves, and I with them are the ones who will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can't do a thing. And that word there is nothing. And it means basically, in Greek, it means nothing. It doesn't mean anything else. It just means you can do nothing. Wherever we think we're achieving in our own strength, we'll only get that fruit that we can produce as a fleshly, carnal person. It's not good enough. There is a higher, there is a higher calling on us in every area of our life. That is his fruit. Unless a person remains united with me, here's the caveat, here's the, where it hurts, where that sword is bitter that Vanessa was talking about. This is the bitterness of it, is that it's all fun and games while we read the scripture and go, Yay, that scripture's beautiful. That's all about me. I claim that. But then the bitterness comes where the Lord keeps pursuing us and pursuing us to do it and to bring that about in every part of our lives that he is showing us to because he will always guide us with such a gentle and beautiful hand. But if you do not remain united with him, we are told you're thrown away like a branch and dried up. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire where they are burned up. I don't have all the depth of knowledge about that verse, but it doesn't sound like something I want in my eternal future. (laughs) Just in, this is verse nine, just as my father has loved me, I have loved you, so stay in my love. If you keep my commands, you will stay in my love. This is just all through Old and New Testament. There's no way that the Old Testament isn't part of the New because it's all about being close to the Father, him pursuing us and us following his commands. If we do, we will stay in his love because every one of his commands is love. And how we are, if we do this, we will love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and stay in his love, if we are part of him, if we're part of that vine, we're in it, we're growing as a fruitful part, we will be in his love. I have said this to you so my joy may be in you and your joy be complete. How wonderful that love, joy and peace are the first three fruit that we will grow in our lives and will be 
picked and eaten by others. And they can be nourished through the love, joy and peace of Jesus Christ in our lives. Um, I'm going to... Oh, yes, he says in, in, you know, how do we do this? He says in Hebrews 5, 9, enter that rest and it's rest from your own works. So this again is a scripture about not doing our own works, but waiting on the Lord to hear from him and do his works in any particular situation. That's the fruit of the spirit. I've done that. Okay. This is Hebrews 4, same scripture that Vanessa brought out. And I know that um, Barbara also has this scripture in hers. (laughs) So it's a bit of a theme. Hebrews 4. I'll start at verse 9. So there remains a Shabbat keeping for God's people or a Sabbath rest. For the one who has entered God's rest has also rested from his own works as God did from his. Therefore, let us do our best to enter that rest or to stay grafted into the vine receiving what we need from Jesus Christ so that no one will fall short of the same kind of disobedience and be pruned. It's all right for us to be pruned, for the Lord to um, prune us as we're growing, because that's very healthy for a vine, for us to be spoken to by the Lord in an area of disobedience, say, and we're pruned back, but we grow stronger if we obey. But yeah, we don't want to disobey and stay in disobedience where our ultimate end is to be judged in that state. The Lord is merciful and we can always, always approach the Lord, approach his throne of grace where he empowers us to actually succeed in his will. See, the word of God is alive. This is verse 12. It is at work and sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts right through to where soul meets spirit and joints meet marrow. It is quick to judge the inner reflections and attitudes of the heart. So the word of God, even as we read it, becomes that sweet and bitter um, where, my goodness, this is a great scripture, but I didn't realise it applied to me in that way and I'm not doing it. I'm not fulfilling it. I haven't cleaned myself in this way. I haven't matured in this way. I have to do something about it. Now I've got to humble myself before the Lord and ask him to bring this about in my life to cleanse me and make me like him. So in all areas of our life, the soul is, can be divided from the spirit. What is from our, our thoughts, our will, our emotions, our way of thinking, our culture, our past? What are those things that are sullying or changing the word of God in us to be something 
that we're seeing through different eyes, that we're not seeing through his eyes. But with the sword of the spirit, it'll cut and we'll know exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying to us if we humble. I have had times in my life and they've been absolutely epochal times in my life where I have ignored the Holy Spirit and done what I wanted to do in complete rebellion against him, saying, now I want this. And it brought about extreme heartache in my life. And looking back, I find it shocking that, but that's where I was at. I was very determined. I wanted certain things and wouldn't listen to him and deliberately didn't listen to him. That's my confession. <laughs> and it was, it, it affected my whole family, my children. A number of times I did this. And I have been trained in this area to be extremely careful and to not do these things again where I'm actively rebelling against the Lord and pretending that my will is his. And that's literally what I did to appease my guilt each time. But um, yes, I've matured over the years. I've matured at Holy Fire School and I've matured here. And now the sword can cut between soul and spirit and I pray that I have grace to keep listening <laughs> and to not make dramatic mistakes in my life again. So the motives of the soul can be pride, religious effort, which I'm sure we've all been through, envy, wanting to seem spiritual has been a bad one for me where I just wanted people to respect me spiritually. So I'd want to even do something within the church that seemed, yeah, seemed spiritual and I could be acknowledged for. It's just this seeking, this seeking acknowledgement, seeking assurance, seeking love based in pride without any humility in there. But um, yes, yeah, certainly that's been changing. But I know that if ever the Lord uses me to do something cool, something spiritual, um, I'll have to always fight that. I have to always fight that pride rising up, that I've done something for the Lord. Aren't I good? <laughs> so the sword comes in and cuts, slashes, and praise God, it brings about a maturity in us over the years. It's not something that happens overnight. So the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. If only we can all be kind to each other, wouldn't that be awesome? And that's something I've known in my heart, that kindness is right up there with love, joy and peace, just being kind to people. 
goodness, faithfulness, humility and self-control are the fruit of the Spirit. And there's many more as we enter into areas of righteousness and, and faith and just, I suppose, oozing the presence of Christ to others. Yeah, so these come through us being glued into the vine to, to growing out of it, not even glued in, is it? It's growing out of it as part of Christ. So I suppose the theme is be swift to obey in all areas that the Lord speaks to us, even if it's really hard. And some things are because our soul rises up and the sword of the Spirit will come to cut that off and to make his will predominant in our lives. So be swift in obedience so we can stay firmly in the vine of Christ, just as he was obedient to the Father in every way, sacrificed his whole life for the Father's will and to bring us into the kingdom and to be part of the bride of Christ. Thank you. Um, I'll just pray. Oh, Father, please just touch us all with your, your incredible power to change our hearts, Lord, where we need changing, to shine your light in areas in our hearts where we need the sword of the Spirit to show us the way, to light that way. And, and uh, yes, we'd love that to happen, Father, without trials, but we know that trials are more precious than gold in your sight and need to be announced too where we will submit to you and choose your path in a trial. Oh, I just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I think it would be good, if it's okay with you, to have Barbara and Lena share next week. Is that okay? That way we have some more space. We're not cramming things in. But I do want to, it's okay with you? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Because <laughs> if you had something burning right now and you said, I got to share it now, I would be open to that too. Um, I want to sum up what, the, what Fran and Vanessa were saying and say a couple more things in, in summation. I think I'll entitle this one The Scroll and the Sword because those are two images that came out. God's Word is like a scroll and God's Word is like a sword. It's like a scroll. It's like the scroll that the Lord gave to Ezekiel, and he said, eat it. And we know what Vanessa said, it was sweet to the taste, but then bitter in the stomach. Now, I want to talk a, uh, just a minute about those two things. There, it's this twofold aspect of God's word. It's sweet, but then there's also a bitter aspect. 
picking up on what both Vanessa and Fran were sharing. And in talking about these two things, I want us to be always reminded that the sweetness will always outweigh the bitterness. But there is a bitterness, and the bitterness has to do with the word cutting. That's painful, right, when the word cuts. And like Fran was saying, it divides the soul and the spirit. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart, and it exposes what is of our own desire, our own flesh, our own strength, our own works, and what is of his. Uh, one of the great discoveries we can make in growing mature is that uh, what's, what is from us and what is from him. And what is from us sometimes look like, looks like it's from him, but it's not. It's, that's what the, Paul is talking about when he's talking about the flesh. It's the stuff that's from us rather than from him. But then there's the spirit, the spirit of God, and the spirit of God produces the fruit that is the genuine love. Uh, the genuine joy, the genuine peace that comes from God is not manufactured merely from our own soul. So let me read this here, uh, Hebrews 4.12. It was read before. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. So one of the bitter aspects of the word is that sword that cuts the cost there is a cost to following Jesus. There is a great cost. And another bitter aspect is that we go through persecution. And sometimes it's from fellow Christians. Persecution isn't always, and when I say Christians, it's more quote-unquote Christians, but people in our family or friends or people we may know and we love them, uh, and persecution is not just someone beating you with a, a whip. Sometimes it's a whip of their mouth. And they say all sorts of insulting things, demeaning things, accusations. And these things are quite hurtful. The, all of us, I know all of us have gone through this. And sometimes we think, oh, it hasn't been a while. And then all of a sudden the next day. It hits you. You realize, oh, they're, if they treated Jesus like this, they'll treat, they may treat me like this too. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, so that is part of it. But, with, but God's rewards will always outweigh the cost and the pain and the persecution. What do we do when people are throwing lots of accusations our way, condemning us, twisting our words, speaking hurtfully. What do we do? Well, this is where what Anna shared last week 
really comes to the forefront. Because we could talk about love as a generic thing, but love is something we need every day, especially in the face of persecution. So I can't love them, Lord, this is hurting me, I'm wounded. But Lord, you love them, give me your love. This doesn't mean agreeing with what everybody says. This doesn't mean that you are coming under someone's oppression or control over your life. But what it does mean is that you respond in a Christ-like way. And that especially begins with praying for them. Pray for those who persecute you. So we pray for them. We pray that God brings his grace, his repentance. Think about Saul. It was also called Paul in the New Testament. How he would pursue Christians and get them put to death. So he was a murderer. And yet God still had a heart for him. And turned him around. And when we're talking about the Father's heart, we need to have that heart for others. And it is painful because we don't want to. Because our human reaction is, you treat me disrespectfully, I'll treat you disrespectfully. You hurt me, well, I'll hurt you. You speak rudely to me, well, I won't speak with you or I'll speak rudely to you. So how could we respond back kindly, but also with wisdom that we are not falling into the same lifestyle as them and the same words as them? So this is a bit of a conundrum, but with God's grace and power and, Lord, I need that love which is from heaven. I need that love which is divine. And I need that love, that love that comes from you. It comes from the sap of being in the, that, that sap. I think Daniel talked about it. Daniel Heng. Uh, Franz talked about it. Being in the, in the vine, when you're in the vine, Jesus is the vine. When you're in the vine, when you're a branch in the vine, you are receiving the sap which is the, the nutrients in the life of the vine. And his love is that sap, right? His love is that sap. His love, his joy, his peace is that sap, which has to come from him. And it comes from being intimately connected with him, really dwelling with him in union with him. And we can't speak enough about the importance of that intimacy, of that dwelling in him, of being close to him. So if we're having marriage troubles, we have to go back to being in the vine. If we're having family troubles, we have to go back to being in the vine. If we're having church issues, we have to go back to being in the vine. I'm not saying we're having that. All I'm saying is that being in the vine, being in Jesus in an intimate way is how we bear fruit, is how transformation comes to the world. And then others will pick that fruit, eat it, and they'll be blessed by it. And when we fall, we need to get back up quickly. Get back up quickly and say, Lord, forgive me. I need your grace once again. I need your strength once again. Amen. Amen. And when you're in the vine, you're in that Sabbath rest. The Sabbath was all about a picture 
of a rest which transcends our own natural rest. It's God's rest where we rest from our own works and He is doing the work in us. Yahweh, <laughs> which comes from Hayah, the verb to cause to be. He causes us to bear the fruit. He causes us to be obedient. He causes us to love. He provides. He causes the provision. He causes the healing. He, is, he causes uh, the protection in our life. He makes it happen. Hallelujah. And we looked at that, we looked at that in depth and detail this past semester. Uh, about all that, what it means. We're just kind of like touching, touching on it. But we, we dived into detail about that. So let me pray and then let's fellowship. Amen. And if you need prayer, feel free to come up to any, anyone that you, that, uh, yeah, go to anyone and they'll, they'll pray for you. I know there's some matters that need prayer and we're willing to lay hands on you and pray for you. So, Father, I want to thank you for everything that you have been doing and speaking and acting. I praise you, Father, and I praise you, Jesus, that your banner over us is love. That your love is our protection. Your love is our identity. Your love is what fights for us. And you have publicly declared your love for us on the cross as Anna talked about. And Lord, I see a coming together of all these things that you've been speaking. I think about when Daniel Hang spoke and Anna shared, and now we had Vanessa and Fran. And you're, you're teaching us the importance of your word, the sweetness of who you are. But then there are, there's also a cost but through you, we can do all things. We can do all things. Father, I'm asking for your grace, for your work in us. Heal us, restore us, and let us be intimately connected to the vine who is Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you the praise and glory for today. Everything that you've been saying and doing Arise, O Lord, and scatter every spiritual enemy that has come against us. Let's stand strong in you, Lord, and in the power of your might. And bless this congregation, Lord. Bless us to be fruitful and to multiply. Let each person here bear much fruit for your glory. Cause them to grow and to multiply for your shalom to be on them, and that they, people would see that they are well-fed sheep that are healthy and whole and blessed, even through all the trials and tribulations of this life, Lord. We go through those things, but we thank you for the sweetness of your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.